2: This is Betsy Milne. I'm Laura Milne, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast.
1: I'm gonna get flack about this episode. I'm pretty darn sure of it. Maybe a few negative emails, possibly a bad review on Apple Podcasts. It happens every time I have guests where we speak about, oh, how should I say it? The more ephemeral issues of personal finance. If we talk about auras or chakras or anything that doesn't fit the spreadsheet-oriented version of wealth and success, I get pushback. I get it. I'm a scientist by nature. I believe in things that can be carefully measured and noted, hypotheses confirmed. This is how I look at the world. And yet, I can't deny the fact that I can give 10 people the same exact formula for success and 2 to 3 will succeed and the rest will fail to meet expectations. Sometimes formulas don't give us the right answers. Alignment, human design, manifesting, projecting, often I consider these big words with squishy meanings. But today I'm going to introduce you to two people who have built a very successful coaching platform that helps women build thriving businesses and avoid burnout. If some of our discussion makes you uncomfortable, I would consider this a successful episode. Betsy and Laura Milne are the coaches and creators behind the global community and human design brand, Luscious Hustle. Born from the ashes of burnout, Luscious Hustle was created to redefine what it means to hustle. As ambitious, goal oriented women, Betsy and Laura were tired of the endless struggle to succeed by following the old bro culture cycle of grind and exhaustion. Betsy and Laura, welcome to earn and invest. Betsy, let me start with you. How do you define wealth? Ooh, that's a good question.
0: I think for me right now, if you were to ask me what my definition of wealth is, it is rooted more in well-being. I this is probably gonna sound like a woo answer, like your intro was, than actually the number that we have in our business, like in our bank accounts. And the reason being is that I think wealth means nothing if you don't have health. And so when we talk about wealth in our own business and you know, the direction we've sort of started taking our business, it's like money is a tool it's a very important tool. We had you on our podcast. We talked about this on our podcast, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, like money is nothing if you don't have your health and your well-being. And so it's an interesting thread to pull, I think in many ways, because it's not like as tangible as you probably want it as an answer. I'm sure Laura has a different answer, but for me personally, that's where my mind goes. It's like money's great. Money's a tool. I love it. But wealth, true wealth is like, my relationships, my health, my ability to do work that I love, living my purpose.
1: Laura respond. Betsy said you might have a different answer.
2: I mean, I love her answer. I think, you know, it, I, I agree with Betsy and it's interesting because I've recently made a big shift in my personal life and in my work because I'm not only, I'm, I'm still part of Luscious Hustle and I still love the work we do in Luscious Hustle, but I'm originally a pediatric nurse and i worked full time for you know a decade or more and then as the business grew i stepped into the business full time and i have now actually stepped back into pediatric nursing full time i'm still in the business and i still do you know some of the activities of the business obviously not as much because i'm working like 40 to 50 hours a week in the hospital but it was really just like a gut instinct like i I felt pulled to do it and it feels really good like it feels really really good and I I mean I mean just straight up you, you can make a lot more money running a business online selling courses and doing coaching than you can working shift work as a nurse in a hospital for sure but it's a choice that I've made and I love it and in interestingly as I have stepped back into nursing and I work in uh, you know a level three trauma center and I'm trained in all the inpatient units. And I'm also trained to work on um like the pediatric, like respite and palliative care units. And it's, we, I mean, it just never fails as human beings. It's so easy for us to forget how precious life is and how precious well being is. We go about our day-to-day lives in the rush and we get caught up in all the things, the goals and the aspirations and what we want and what we don't have and all of these things. And then it's like, you see someone- you know, their their five year old just got diagnosed with liver cancer, and they've been given three months to live. And you're like, okay, all of the things that I was worrying about today are irrelevant irrelevant because my kid is healthy, and how grateful you feel for that, and how how just like gut punched you feel that that has happened to someone else, and how you might feel if you went through that. So it's like I similarly I've come at it from a different angle, but like Betsy, wealth is more to me about uh, well being. And how are you able to, you know, really live your life in the now and be with the people that you love and not be living for someday, someday when I'm rich someday, when I have this and that and something else, then I'll be happy. It's like, yeah, money is an amazing tool. We want to be smart and responsible with it and be able to put ourselves in a position that we can take care of ourselves when it, when an emergency strikes, but Wow. Like I I realize now how much I've spent many years as an entrepreneur getting caught up in the someday syndrome of like, well, when we have more followers, when we get more clients, when we make more money, when, 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 then I will be. And it's, it's a very insidious, sneaky thing that happens with money in your ego when you start to play that game of chasing goals that you're not, con- if you're not really constantly checking in with yourself.
1: Betsy, Laura's answer is very interesting, because in a sense, what we're talking about is hustle sometimes doesn't create that sense of well-being. For Laura, that sense of well-being came maybe to going back to pediatric nursing. There's a dichotomy there, and I see that dichotomy in the naming of your brand. Talk about luscious hustle. I mean, those are two words I don't usually see put together in one sentence.
0: Yeah. They're not words that you would put together in one sentence. And it's funny because when we started our business, I had just come out of 12 years working in fashion in New York city. And I had built million dollar accounts from scratch. And I was like really in the thick of things. I was on the manufacturing side. So I had factories in China. I had, we actually had a factory in the garment center in New York city. I was working with like designers that everybody knows on the regular basis. And, At that point in time, like the only thing I knew as in my 30s was like, you hustle, you get married, you have kids, you retire, like you save for retirement, you do all the things. And you work 80 hours a week. Like that was the norm. That was the hustle. And for a long time, I loved it. Like I really, really, truly loved everything about the fashion industry until I didn't. Until, you know, it was like, I'm doing all this work, but the money's not changing. And then there was a recession. And then it was like, now more is expected of you. And I got so burned out at the end in New York that I was really sick. I was having mini strokes. I had like almost daily, like nobody could tell me what was wrong with me. I was super depressed, yet I was high functioning and really successful at the top of my game. The youngest person in the room having these meetings with designers, saying no to people. And like, yes, there was power and there was money, but there was also this huge piece that was missing for me. And at the same time, I had my dad who had Alzheimer's, like we had just found out. And I wanted to be home and to be spending time with him. So for me, getting out of that hustle in New York, I I had a skill set. I had I had things that I was used to doing. I'd already started my a first my first business at 24. And so when I I ended up coming home so that I could. A, get better. Like it was supposed to be a six month move, but then I was like, oh, I'm going to start another business. And I became a health coach. And I was like, this is going to be this path for me. And when Laura and I met each other, so we share the same last name, but we're not related. We're not cousins. We're not sisters. We're just like two random people that met on Instagram and just shared this passion for business and for well being. And really helping other women have this experience. Laura's word was luscious. My word was hustle. Like that's all I knew, but she had this word luscious when we started our podcast. And I remember at the time I was like, well, a, I had a list because I wasn't used to public speaking. I didn't talk. Like I could barely say my own name, Betsy without like stuttering over it and luscious. Like we had, it was called the luscious living podcast at the beginning. (laughs) I had a really hard time with it, but it was a word that Laura loved so much. And she had so much passion for that. I was like, okay, I can see the vision that you have for this. And wouldn't it be cool if we could redefine what hustling looked like in this light of just expansiveness and deliciousness and like lusciousness, right? Because hustle is something that is so masculine and it's like goal oriented and it's, there's no freedom in it. Like, it's just, you, you do, you do, you do. And luscious on the other hand, was that really like sort of feminine, creative flowy energy of just, I don't know, like, like it was like a warm hug in a weird way, but I didn't get the word at the time. And I will tell you, like, I struggled with it for the first couple of years of our business because I was like, I'm not a luscious person. And PS, by the way, like not to, we've done a really good job, but like when you looked up luscious, when we first started our business, you Googled it or luscious hustle, you got porn. Like it was like (laughs) bent over butts up. Like it was bad. Now you see our faces when you Google us. And even that, like going up against what our family and our friends, and like all my friends in New York, were like, luscious hustle. Like, what are you thinking? And then, but if we got into the conversation, it was a great conversation starter. And it really forced us to look outside the norm of like, this is how you build wealth. This is how you make money. This is how you hustle. This is how you build a business. And it gave us carte blanche to really write our own ticket in terms of like, this is the new paradigm that we're stepping into. This is the energy that we want to bring. And how can we do that and heal? Some of these old wounds that we are bringing into our business, which, you know, for me, it was like literally like the physicalness of like the physicality of being like chronically ill at the time. Um, So that really was where the luscious came from. But yeah, it's been polarizing from day one. I mean, we've had people tell us we're too cute, we're not serious enough. Like, you know, who are we? And I'm like, dude, I got receipts, man. Like I can show you the million dollar businesses that I have built from scratch. Like just because it's the name doesn't mean that it's any less, you know, (laughs) successful.
1: I feel like it's endemic to this whole issue of the hustle culture that people would look at your name and have an issue with it. Laura, let's talk about that kind of masculinized view of hustle. Why doesn't it work? And specifically, why doesn't it work for women? Because you guys coach a lot of women.
2: I mean, I I think, you know, the, the first thing is like the masculine and feminine is their energies, not, it's not male or female and it's not, you know, so straightforward that way. I mean, there's, you know, there are men who could be more feminine. There are women who can come across with much more masculine energy, et cetera. I think that the hustle to me felt it's not just, so, it's not so much that it was masculine, but it was like a very sort of Wolf of Wall Street, like toxic culture, that kind of like masculine, in a in all the wrong ways. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to shift it back to masculine in a very healthy way. Masculine energy is very linear. It's very straightforward. It's very like, think of it as like, I always think of masculine as the mountain. It's the rock, it's the bedrock. It's the thing that holds everything else. And feminine energy is the water, the trees, the plants, the animals that live on the mountain. They need each other right. One is not better than the other. They go together, but it's like, yeah, the, the, the hustle culture that almost burnt Betsy out, almost like killed her really was so toxic. And, you know, you know, she also faced like a lot of, you know, harassment in the workplace and just like very truly toxic, masculine, uh, inappropriate behaviors. For me, the hustle, I mean, I didn't experience that so much working as a nurse, but I just, I I was pushing myself to the brink and being physically exhausted and not lit up by my work anymore and needing a different sort of day-to-day structure for my life in order to thrive. And so that's how I actually look at it now in business is like the masculine in business is the structure. It's the, it's the systems and the supports that you put in place that allow yourself to then you know, be as creative and free-flowing as you really want to be. And Betsy's right. I I loved the word luscious. And the funny thing is, I I didn't actually, I felt I too felt uncomfortable using the word luscious because I didn't kind of feel worthy of it. Like I felt like, you know, Beyonce is someone who's a luscious hustler. JLo is luscious. Probably my favorite entrepreneur ever would be Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx. She's very luscious. Like she's very kind of kooky and vibrant and she just speaks off the cuff. And she dared to name her company Spanx, like in 2000, when that was like kind of a racy name to, to give your, you know, give your company, but she went for it. And like, these are women who are highly intelligent, highly capable, work really, really hard. And they just had a vision and they're like, I'm going to go for it. But they didn't abandon their femininity. They didn't abandon that creative expression for themselves. And that, so that's what it really meant to me was like, we're going to I like to work. I'm a, an ambitious, goal-oriented person. I like to hustle, but I want it to be in a way that is like that really positive, strong masculine leadership, there's structure in my life and my business that allow me to then be as creative and expressive as I really want to be.
1: So at the time you guys started luscious hustle, Laura, you're finding that pediatric nursing wasn't fulfilling your needs. Betsy, you're finding that the hustle culture isn't serving you. It's making you physically ill. Then enter a technique that you guys use in coaching called human design analysis. What is human design analysis and, and how did you come across it?
0: So human design is, well, I'll first I'll introduce, how we were introduced to it was actually on a podcast like this. We were interviewing somebody. So we actually didn't create a business for ourselves for the first year that we knew each other. We monetized like our podcast after a year of just having interesting conversations with people and really getting into like, what is it that lights us up? What is our passion? And we were interviewing someone and she said to us like, Hey, do you know your human design as we were getting on the podcast? And I was like, no. And Laura said, no. So she's like, okay, let's look up your chart. So she sent us to a website and You enter in your birth time, your birth date, where you're born, and it pulls up this chart and it gives you one of the energy types that you are. So there's five different energy types in human design. And I will never forget that conversation because like we figured out what we were and she gave us a brief synopsis of what each of us was energetically speaking. And, you know, it was kind of woo at the time to us. Like it seemed a little bit out there, but we were like woo people, you know, we're in the (laughs) business spaces of female entrepreneurs and talked about crystals and stuff She told us about ourselves. And I remember having this moment where it just like washed over me, where I was like, oh my God, yes, finally somebody gets it. Like somebody sees me because how I was doing business and what was working for me was very different than what was working for Laura. Interestingly enough, she found out what she was and she was like, oh man, I don't want to be this. Like (laughs) I want to be something else. And it just, it's really interesting how, you know, the way that we were introduced was so organic for us because we were at a place where you know, again, Laura and I, we're not related. We share the same last name. We live in two different countries. We're 3000 worlds apart. We have very different backgrounds when it comes to like building businesses. And we have very different styles of how we build businesses and how we succeed in business. And so human design is actually a system which, you know, it gets a lot of flack and a lot of people will say, oh, this is woo, or this is so out there because it is based on your birth time. So there's this astrological aspect to it. Um, but at the same time, the, the cool thing about human design is that it is not subjective, right? Because it is based on where you were born at, like where you were born and at the time you were born, it's not like an Enneagram or a Myers-Briggs, which is subjective. And when people ask us about human design and what makes it different, I like to say that, you know, we both like to say this, actually, I shouldn't just say it's me, but it's. It's not subjective, right? So Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, like when you're answering the questions on any of those personality tests, what type of Disney princess are you, which is one of our favorites on BuzzFeed, you're really answering those questions in the moment based on the experiences that you've had up until that point and where you are in your mindset. Whereas human design, it's based on where the stars were 90 days before you were born, where the stars are at the exact moment that you were born. It is a synthesis of quantum physics, astrology, the Hindu Brahman chakra system, I feel like I'm missing something here, the tree the of life, the Kabbalah tree of life and the I Ching. Yeah, the I Ching. And, and when it brings it all together, what you get is a little cute little graph. It's got lots of numbers, lots of little lines that go through it, but really what it is is it's an energetic blueprint. So it gives you a greater insight into the overarching themes of who you are, what your purpose is, how you are here to live out your life. But it also gives you really valuable information on how you exchange energy with the world, how you are designed to make money, how you're designed, different strategies that you have to show up and and exchange energy with other people. And if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, that sounds really out there. It is until you actually listen and have a reading and you start sinking into the energy of it because... Honestly, it it is shocking how accurate it can be. Laura, she's already said she's a nurse. Like, we did not start a business to become like the woo chicks that were out there. (laughs) We are not. We are not like if you met us in real life. Like, I'm still New York Betsy. Like, I will show up in my you know four inch heels and like I don't look. I'm not wearing witchy clothes or anything like that. And that's fine for other people, but it's a science. It's based in science. It's based on neutrinos, and it. I don't know. I like, I don't really, I'm doing a really shit job, Laura, here. Can you help me out, please?
2: Well, I will (laughs) just say, I will give the caveat that, I mean, I have a background in science. Like I have a bachelor's degree in biology and then I went into nursing. Like I, you know, am very a not woo at all. Like I I didn't come at this from the perspective of like, I'm trying, I'm a woo person and I'm trying to like, you know, find out my astrological path in life or something. I just picked, I, I, the more I learned about it, the more curious I became. And as I would apply it to my life, it worked, it worked for me. And so I was like, well, you know, I mean the, the foundation of science is experimentation, like having a hypothesis, running an experiment and what's the result and does it help you? Yes or no. And so as I just very like, with open curiosity, started to understand my own design more and play with how I was using my energy in my day-to-day life to take action in my business and make decisions. It brought me a lot of clarity. It brought me a lot of satisfaction, things that were frustrating me and felt like they were roadblocks. All of a sudden, I feel like I had permission to, well, one, I understood myself better and I had better permission to actually just be who I am and to hold true to whatever my decisions were without being influenced or by, you know, external, whatever you're seeing on social media this week, whatever new strategy is hot or feeling like I needed some kind of external validation. And the only other thing I will add to what Betsy said is that the, the great thing that I love about human design is that it doesn't ask you to believe in anything. You don't have to throw out any of your own scientific beliefs, religious beliefs, etc. It's just an add-on. It is literally showing you, you know, how do you use your energy? How do you communicate best with other people? How are you best designed to make a decision and stick with it? Because it's it's in the human design system, not everyone makes decisions the same way. There is a lot of bio-individuality. And that's a big piece of human design. Is just understanding yourself And then, you know, in, in human design, we also say like, it is an experiment, like take the foundations of your own chart, but then start playing and experimenting with it and make it your own. There's no real gatekeepers to this. And I think that's really important. And I will also say that my boyfriend is a huge skeptic. And every time he asks me about it, he'll be, he just, he's like almost tunes out like four seconds into the conversation. He's just like, oh, this sounds so woo. But then when I will bring up things, little bits and pieces in conversation, I'll be like, oh, you know what? Like, why don't you try this? Or why don't why about this? Because I've read, I know his chart, I've read it. It works for him. And it's funny. It's like he has slowly become more curious about it. And he would be the biggest. Like doubter that there is, but he he admits that like you know a lot of the things that I say about him about his chart make sense to him and are part of why he has been successful in his career and he has had an incredibly successful career. So I will I will put out there. It's like if there's if your curiosity is at all piqued by this, I think it's worth worth it to pull that string. And if you're just like nah, this is a load of hooey, then let it be that way. I believe that things things find you when they're meant to. Things strike a chord with you when they are meant to and it's just like are you willing to to just pull that thread and and chase it for a little bit?
1: Betsy, so it sounds like in both of your lives you found that human design started helping you. It started working for you personally. When did you say, "Oh, we can use this technique to help coach business women, entrepreneurs, people who are struggling with making their venture take off?" How did that flip occur?
0: I saw the potential very early on. And I think the reason that I saw the potential very early on, so there's five different energy types in human design. I'm what we call a projector, which means that my gift in this world is to, to see systems and strategies and then to guide people into systems and strategies, which on paper, I mean, that's literally what I'd been doing my entire life. Like I kind of, it just, it seemed very natural. The interesting thing about Laura and I starting a business together was that when we first got into the coaching space, like we sold our first product, we immediately hired a coach. And the first thing that she said to us in the first meeting that we had with her, she was like, you're like the two for one special. You're like the hive mind. And at the time, it was very true because we had a very clear purpose. We had a very clear vision of what we were trying to accomplish and we had a very clear trajectory that we wanted to take our business on. And it's the reason, like we hit six figures our first year, we were very successful straight out of the gate. But the 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 friction that would happen or come up in our business between us were, were those moments where everyone was expecting us to show up in exactly the same way. And when you are a woman in business who is struggling with energy, who is struggling with like knowing what decision to make, you know, there's so many strategies out there. And it's like well, this worked for me. So I'm going to sell you the strategy that worked for me. And Laura and I started seeing that we had two different strategies. And so when human design came along, it started to make sense. Like, okay, I'm a projector. So I'm not supposed to actually work eight hours a day. Like my my strategy is to have more rest. It is to be, you know, like invited into conversations. Like I can't just bulldoze into a room and tell everybody what I think because nobody's going to listen to me. That's part of my energetic strategy. Whereas Laura, as a generator, 70% of the population are either generators or manifesting generators, which means they have this like creative sacral life force energy. They're designed to respond to situations. So I can give her stuff to respond to. She'd take off, go off and do her thing. Meanwhile, I'm like taking a nap and feeling guilty because I'm like, oh my God, I'm the worst business owner in the world. Until I had human design and until I understood that that was part of my strategy and what makes me really good at what I did, I thought there was something wrong with me. And then all of a sudden human design came in and I was like, oh wow, okay, this is part of my strategy. And so we started introducing human design in, I don't know, like six months maybe after we started learning about it. And we've spent the last five years really building our expertise, doing more levels of mastery, like really getting deeper into it it, with incredible results for our clients. And what we learned actually was a lot of the practices that we were being taught and how we were being taught how to build our business just wasn't gonna work for us because we couldn't be the ones that were being bio-individual in our own business and then teaching people, this is the one size fits all strategy. And so building a business where we were teaching women about themselves and giving women knowledge about themselves so that they could make informed decisions that was the new layer of like empowerment for us and so human design became that tool that we could teach women about themselves with so that they could make informed decisions in their business and that was really like a shift for us because again like other people weren't selling business that way they weren't doing business that way but it worked for us and it worked for our clients and you know, it's it's a very different mindset, I think, for a lot of people like to really say, oh, yeah, I am here to do it. We, it's so bizarre to me, though. Like, OK, I'm going off on a tangent. It is so bizarre to me how as kids we are told you can grow up and be anything you want to be. And then we hit 30 and it's like, oh, no, we got to tick all the boxes and we got to do everything that everybody else is doing so that we're successful. And on paper, we all look successful and then we're miserable on the inside. Like, why? Why do we put ourselves through that? and that was the piece with human design it was like okay i have permission to go take a nap thank you awesome i'm going to run with that and the more we leaned into our human design the more success we we saw and then interestingly the more success we saw you know in our personal lives and in our you know in in our own well-being then our priority shifted And then we were like, you know what, if we're really going to do this thing and we're really going to follow it the way that we're telling other women to follow it, we have to do it even if it makes us uncomfortable. And the more we lean into it, like Laura going back to nursing, Laura, like, you know, that to me, it felt like it came out of left field. And then I was like, yeah, but it really didn't. Like, I knew that this was coming even before she did, because I know her human design well enough to know, like she needed to be physical. Sitting behind a desk is not Laura's jam. It is for me because I like to rest, (laughs) but I'm still working. So just having that individual empowerment, I guess, is the best way to say it. It's like, it's very, it's very, very powerful. It's uncomfortable, but it's, I think it's the future. We need to know ourselves in order to live our purpose.
1: We are talking to Betsy and Laura Milne, same last name, but not related. They are the coaches and creators behind the global community and human design brand, Luscious Hustle. We are going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example with a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel This car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, Yo, everybody, I have found that when I get an article sent to me over and over again, the best way to address it is to talk about it on air. And this happened with an article from The New Yorker called How Hospice Became a For-Profit Hustle by Ava Kaufman. I've had two or three people send me this article because they know that I'm in hospice. Basically, the article talks about how you have these for-profit hospices out there that are taking advantage of the system. They are signing people up who are not terminally ill for hospice, giving minimal care, and collecting money from Medicare. A lot of people want to know my opinion of this, and I say, of course, just like Any governmental payout, when the government is offering money, you're going to have some good actors and some bad actors. You're going to have some good hospices and bad hospices. This is the way of the world. Graft exists, and the government is a big payer. So graft is going to happen more often to the government than other places. So it does not surprise me that there are for-profit hospices out there that are not 100% ethical. So, A, that's not a surprise. B, what's also not a surprise is that the government gets the behavior that it asks for. Now, I know this sounds a little strange, but I've worked for lots of non-for-profit hospices, and guess what? None of them exist anymore. And you know why none of them exist? Because the government goes after hospices for compliance, the last hospice I worked at got fined $5 million because they coded something wrong, they used the wrong number, it had no financial consequences to the government, they were not bilking the government, they just did something wrong. They were fined $5 million for it. They couldn't afford to continue to work the way they had after that $5 million hit. So guess what they did? They sold to a for-profit hospice. So you went from a non-for-profit to a for-profit. The hospice I work for now is fine. I think it's ethical, but it's definitely oriented to make money. For-profit companies are out there to make money, and that's what they do. Listen, the idea of hospice started before the government paid for it, and it was mostly volunteer. People volunteered to work in hospice. There were donors who gave money to fund the hospice, and it worked just fine. Once the government got involved and started making it a governmental subsidy, that's when a lot of the bad actors moved in. I think we have a problem. Government, This government incentivizes bad behavior, and actually a lot of the good players in this hospice community have either dropped out or sold to for-profit companies because it's just too difficult to follow all the government's dictates to do exactly what Medicare wants you to do. Between the audits and the fines, a lot of the margins for the non-for-profits are just not high enough for them to keep existing, and hence you have the situation that you have now. None of this is surprising. This is what we expect. And my final point, and this is a big point, that even with all the graft and even with all the unethical behavior, hospice as a whole saves the government billions of dollars By doing low-cost, end-of-life care, as opposed to most patients who end up in ICUs getting surgeries and procedures and prolonged hospital stays, hospice care is cheaper. This has been proven over and over again. People tend to live a little bit longer when put on hospice. They tend to cost the system a huge amount less. And people and families' quality of lives go up. So even with the graft and even with the corruption, if you got rid of hospices at a whole, even the bad actors, the government would be paying out so much more money for health care than it does already. So listen, the New York article is 100% true, and there are some bad actors out there. There's no question about it. When you have the government paying people, you're going to have graft. But the effect of hospice, especially those good hospices where people are acting ethical, makes it reasonable, even for whatever losses are happening because of poor behavior. And so that's my take on the New Yorker article. I hope this was helpful. If you're thinking of sending me an email to ask my opinions, here's where you can hear them. Now back to the show. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Betsy and Laura Milne, who are tired of the endless struggle to succeed by following the old bro culture cycle of grind and exhaustion. They are practitioners of human design and use it in their coaching practice. I want to, in a moment, Laura, get to the different energy types that make up human design. But before we do, talk to me about some successes here. So you're employing human design in your coaching of... Entrepreneurs or people who are building businesses, tell me about one or two successes where you've really seen this change someone's trajectory.
2: I mean, I feel like it's so individual again to each of our clients because it is about like bio individuality. It's about what what works for you, but ultimately, it's about getting to your own truth and and discovering yourself. So, you know, as I think of one client in particular who came to us wanting support to build her freelance business and. Through the process of coaching and working with her in her human design, she came to understand that actually, like, she didn't really like being an entrepreneur. It didn't really actually, like, in she had all the skill set necessary to be a success. And she did have clients and she was making money, but it just felt like too much. It was too, it was just a stress. It was just stressing her out, actually. And so by the end of working with us, she had actually gone back into a position. Into the in, like as in a like being an an employee, but she was making more money than she'd ever made before working with the company that was like a perfect fit for her. And you know, so did we did we fulfill the brief of helping her grow her business? No, not exactly. She you know switched out of it, but she was making more money, feeling more successful, having more time with her spouse than ever before. Gave us a glowing testimonial, loved the work, and that that just came out of her you know, really getting real with herself about what it is that she needs. And it is, it just never ceases to amaze me how easily we are sort of duped by our own minds into doing what we see everybody else doing or doing what we think is logical. I think that's the big thing. Like we, there is a place and a time for logic, obviously, and reasoning in the world, but sometimes, you know, what your heart wants or what your gut instinct is telling you doesn't make any sense in the, in the moment, and you have to trust that that's the right path for you. And I think, you know, I, we've had other clients where it's like, you know, whether it's in a, in the micro of like, what program am I going to launch next, or how am I going to launch? Am I going to do a webinar? Are going to make this an evergreen funnel? Am I going to do group coaching? Am I going to do a private, you know, private coaching package? Whatever there, it's like, how do we make? How do we come to that decision of knowing what are those little minute decisions are in our business? What is correct for us? Because and again, we've learned this as well from guests, having guests on our own podcast who are all also very successful entrepreneurs. I mean, one person, you know, sells a, a $200 product and they sell thousands of them and make tons of money. Another person only works one to one with clients in a more high ticket capacity and they also make lots of money. Very different business models, but one work, but it works for each of them. And it's like, well, how do you know what business model is right for you? How do you know? you know what's going to make you you know hit that mark of making you feel wealthy whatever that that definition is for you and so it's really about like coming to your own truth we've had lots of clients who completely changed the way that they were marketing themselves or changed how they were running their programs just based on getting real with like what works for my energy do i have the energetic capacity to sustain this in the long term or is it going to burn me out and and I think that's the big thing too. A lot of the clients that come to us, they are women who are already burnt out. They're already struggling with burning the candle at both ends. And so it's like, well, why am I trying to employ a strategy that's I can't sustain for more than six months? It doesn't make any sense. So that's really where their human design comes in for them.
1: Betsy, this idea of energy keeps on coming up. And I know with human design, they define five main energy types. You called yourself a projector, but there's also manifestors, generators, manifesting generators, and reflectors along with projectors. What does that mean? Like, what are these things and, and how do they help us?
0: Yeah. So there's five different energy types which means there's five different ways that we exchange our energy with the other people on the planet. And so when we talk about energy in human design, I mean every single one of us we're talking about our energetic blueprint, right? And we're talking about how we are designed to exchange it. So I said this earlier, I think 70% of the population in this on the planet is either a manifesting generator or a generator, meaning they have a defined sacral energy center. This makes sense, right? This defined sacral is life force energy. And so manifesting generators and generators are what we would traditionally call like the builders of the world, right? You guys have this sustainable energy to go out into the world And you're here for mastery. Now, the cool thing is the difference between a generator and a manifesting generator is generators are here for mastery, self-mastery in a very sort of linear fashion. They like to work on something in a very methodical way. It's like I go from point A to point B to point C. I build out things and I, I do it in a really nice, neat fashion. Manifesting generators are a little bit different in that they move a little bit faster than generators do. They they work in a nonlinear fashion. So where this starts coming into play in business, if you're a generator, you're really here to have a niche. You're really here to have one thing that you are good at. You're here to master that thing and put it out into the world and serve people with this sort of sustain, sustained creative energy. Manifesting generators come to us because they are what we call multi-passionate. They can multitask. They like doing multiple things. So for a manifesting generators to, to be told, you guys have to have a specific niche and you're doing one thing, they're going to look at you and be like, oh my God, please don't kill me now. Like, I can't do this. I want to be in all these different pockets and places. I want to do things differently. And that's really what they're here to do. They're here to show us that there's a different way to do things, that we can do things faster than the traditional generator way. So that's 70% of the population, the system that we live in right now, like the work system that we live in has really been built by generators and manifesting generators because they have sustained energy. So like, you know, the eight hour workday working Monday through Friday, that's really built based on generators and what worked for them in the past. And now we've got more manifesting generators. So you can see the flexibility in working from home and doing different things and having a bit more freedom. That's the influence of a manifesting generator. The other energy types in in human design are what we call non-sacral. So this means we don't have sacral energy, which means we don't have sustainable life force energy. Don't let that get in your head. So projectors are the newest of the energy types. That's about 22% of the population. Projectors are here to be the guides. So they see what gens and many gens are doing, and they know that there's a better way to do it. So they come in and they step in and they show the system the way that we can do it differently. Queen Elizabeth II, Barack Obama, Princess Diana, Ariana Huffington. Those are all examples of Gary Vee actually is a projector. So we're here to be invited into the conversation. We watch, we observe, we master our skills differently than a generator because it's more about like taking in and observing and then guiding in a different direction. But we're here to be the people that guide through the system. Manifestors, Are about 8% of the population. Traditionally speaking, manifestors were the old fashioned kings and queens of yesteryear, right? Like we're talking the people that built empires, they were the ones that were at the top of the pyramid and they scooped everybody up into their auras and said, okay, we're going to build Rome today. And then they got people working underneath them. Where generators and manifesting generators got stuck in that system is they felt taken advantage of over time. And so manifestors are really here to initiate, but they don't want to do the work anymore. They don't want to have to be out there at the front anymore, like on all the time. So for a manifestor, you know, again, they're here to like spark the revolution, but then they go off and do the next thing. They're, they're the only ones that can initiate ideas. And then last but not least, we have reflectors, which are about 1% of the population. They're actually the oldest energy type. And they are really here to be the reflectors, the, the litmus test for us in terms of what is working in society and what isn't working in society. So for them they are here to just experience life. They they make decisions at a much slower pace than the rest of the energy types because again they're here to experience and then reflect back to the rest of us like you guys are doing really great over here you're really dropping the ball over here like this is just really crap you got to go fix this. But it's not their job to fix it, right? Again, they're just here to reflect back. To the rest of us, what is what is working and what isn't working, and so you can start seeing as we build out this system where we're all working together. There are different strategies. Some people need to have niches. Some people need to be multi passionate, and we all are designed to work together. We're not designed to be separate, but we all play a role in how society is like moving itself forward. And I think that's really valuable in business to understand, so that you have your own unique strategy. And you get to play to those skill sets and that that purpose that you were here on earth to live out.
1: Laura, help me understand this term sacral, because I've heard Betsy say sacral energy a few times. When we're talking about the energy types, I'm feeling very mental, or even if you want to go a step further, think about like the mind or the soul, right? But then when you say sacral, I think body, right? Yes. So I yeah. think the sacrum, I think the pelvis, I think the center of the body. I'm having trouble connecting these two. Help me understand.
2: Yeah. So in the, in your, when you run a human design chart for yourself, you get, um, a body graph and it looks like a little person and there's, you know, if you imagine sort of the traditional seven chakra system, you have like the seven chakras running from the top of your crown all the way down to your root. And they're like nice in a perfect little line. The human design body graph is a little bit different because there are nine energy centers and they're mapped out kind of all over the body. Um, so the sacral is the one that's the second from the bottom. So it's literally like the bottom one is your root and then straight up above that is your sacral. And it it is, it is that, you know, um, literally connected to your gut and your reproductive organs, but figuratively it is about desire and creativity. And it it is, I mean... Our babies come from our sacral, like the from that area in our bodies. We create there, literally, and that's where that energy. If you have that, en- if you happen to have that energy center defined in your Human Design chart, so it's like colored in, then that's what makes you a generator, manifesting generator, and it means basically like you have this consistent access to life force energy. You're you're just like, all, you could always be on the go. And the kicker though with that is that. Like Betsy said, we are the builders, the creators of the in the world. We just are always building. Um, but we only build and have energy in response to doing what lights us up. So it really is actually about there's a lot of pleasure and desire in there. And if you are, you know, a generator, a manifested generator, I mean, we have the ability that we can sort of make ourselves do things that we don't really want to do. But over time, that will lead us to burnout. It will make us feel like just this primal level of frustration in our day-to-day lives and we will eventually be just feel completely energetically drained. And, you know, it's so it's like where our bio individuality comes in there is like you're allowed to, you're just allowed to be interested in whatever you're interested in. You're allowed to chase something that maybe doesn't make sense to anybody else, but you're so interested in it. You're so lit up. The more you do it, the more excited you become. And that's really the sign of a generator, a manifesting generator. We can work. Endlessly, we can just work and work and work and work and never burn out so long as we are excited by what we do. But when that excitement and that interest dies off, so too does our energy. And that's a big That's a big delineator for a lot of the gens and many gens that we coach because a lot of times they're just driving at something that once was exciting to them and no longer is, but they haven't given themselves permission to redirect because that might mean a career change. It might mean a, a big pivot in their business that feels scary and doesn't make sense to the outside world. So we just keep forcing ourselves to do something that we don't really want to do. And you know the other three energy types. Yeah, they don't have that defined sacral energy. There are other motors in the body, so they have potentially access to other other energy sources in their body. But their energy just works very differently. Um, manifestors have a very stop-start energy. Projectors are all quite different and, but they really have to like be invited into conversations. They have to be invited to be the boss, to step in and guide and tell everybody else what to do. And reflectors are completely open. They are here to just sample everyone else's energy. And then like Betsy said, reflect back to us, like what's working and what isn't. And when they're in an environment and surrounded by people that are really lighting them up, they re- they amplify that and reflect it back out. And they kind of become like the life of the party, the life of of like the work environment, if they're really enjoying where they're at and they're fe- and it's a healthy environment for everyone.
1: So, Betsy, I get it. This idea that human design has made a huge difference in your lives. You now are using it with your coaching clients, helping, helping them get in touch with their appropriate energy, realizing that the hustle they were going after wasn't. Fitting or benefiting them, and then turning it into a luscious hustle, giving them better lives. I get that, but there are going to be a lot of people, obviously, who are listening and saying, "Look, this is a pseudoscience." We've used the word "woo" a few times. What do you say to the skeptics?
0: I think Laura said it best earlier. It's an experiment, and like you know, I, I don't remember what show I was watching recently, but like you know, people talk about magic, but like magic is just science that's not explained yet, or science is magic explained. I think was was the quote that they use. And again, I think it's healthy to be skeptical. I think it's healthy to come in with a dose of like, is this actually going to work for me or not? Because if we come in and we're like looking for answers, I can't tell you how many people, since we actually really fully stepped into this human design space, people come to me and they're like, okay, show me on my chart where I got ADHD from, or tell me that I have ADD. Like people want to diagnose themselves with their human design and it doesn't work like that. We're talking about energetic themes, how that shows up in our real lives. That's entirely different. And that's based on our circumstances and the experiences that we've had. So when we look at human design as an experiment, again, how we use it in coaching is we're tapping into themes, right? So The specifics of you are defined within your chart, but each energy type has its own set of core wounds that we have to address. We have our, you know different strategies that we need to embrace that could be different than what the norm is. And so when we start understanding those like key themes within ourselves. So for me as a projector, being invited into something. That was a really big thing for me because again, in business you're like out there, you're putting yourself out there, you're you're trying to initiate and build something and yet I constantly had moments where I didn't feel seen or heard. And then I went back and I looked at my career before and what made me so successful and really like I was ridiculously successful because I was the one I created the room, and people came into the room and then asked me my opinion. So my gift was building the room. That's what I do for other people now. I get to build the room for other people. And so again, you can say, yeah, it's pseudoscience. It's crazy. It's out there. It's energy. Like who cares about energy? And yet the planet has its own resonance. There's frequencies out there. We talk about. It's on the news now. People are talking about, like. Climate change and global warming, and it's causing, yes, all those things are there. But if you stay open to it, I think, again, it's an experiment. It's not going to diagnose you, though. And I think a lot of people right now are looking for like hard and fast truth. And if that's what you're looking for, like human design is not hard and fast truth, but it will give you incredible insights, and then you can start peeling away those stories that you've built for yourself as like, this is my existence, and this is the limitation, and this is where the bubble that I have to live in. And you can really start playing with more possibility and more opportunities and more potentials, really. In my experience, that's what it's been like.
1: So Laura, I'm sure there are a number of people who are listening to this and saying, hmm, I'd like to be more successful, whether it be in life or whether it's business. Human design is something I'm interested in. What type of resources are there out there, especially if you're kind of working on a business or entrepreneurial?
2: Yeah. So the first place that you want to start is just like running your chart. And there are a lot of different websites where you can go to run your chart for free. Our website has a, a, a way that you can generate your chart for free. There's also like Genetic Matrix or Jovian Archives. There's If you Google human design, like you'll come up with like half a dozen sites or more where you can run a free chart. And then from there, you know, it is it is like there's a lot of books that you can read. Um, Karen Curry Parker has some amazing books to get you started. They are kind of thick. They are kind of a bit like wordy and dense and you, you feel like you're diving into a weird, strange world. But um, our
0: website has everything <laughs> yes. you need to know to get you started. <laughs> including running your free chart. If you go to www.luscioushustle.com backslash resources, it literally walks you through everything. You can grab your free chart. And then we have an incredible, it's like a 39 page ebook that breaks down all it's called own your aura. It breaks down every energy type, your strategy. And then we also have another free training that you can immediately download right after that talks about your authority, which is your decision making process. So it's called before you decide it's another incredible free training. Honestly, Not to toot our own horn here, but I'm going to toot our own horn. I have read all the thick books. Honestly, they will make your head spin at the beginning. And if you want something that's like super digestible, right out of the gate strategies that you can apply immediately, that's the best place to go. Sorry, I just had to plug it.
1: (laughs) I was going to give you a chance to do that later, but that's okay. Um, Betsy and Laura, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show today. You know, I don't know whether human design works or not. I obviously don't know as much about it yet as you do, but I do know two facts. One is the majority of people live quiet lives of desperation. And the other is that most businesses fail. And we could go and look at this and say, "There, there are prescribed steps you can take to make your life better. There are prescribed steps to make your business work better. And yet, those don't necessarily work for everyone. So there's got to be something else out there. I don't know if it's human design. I'm not sure what that thing is. But all the more important then for us to listen to these ideas, to hear them, and consider whether they may benefit us or not. I want to end this episode the way I end every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and where specifically people can find you. Betsy, let me start with you. What is up next in your life and where can people find you?
0: Well, I am knee-deep in the luscious hustle world and human design readings at the moment. So everything human design is really what I see in my future. I'm writing a book, which I'm really excited about, which I hope to bring into fruition next year. But again, like just really focusing on human design as a way to help people see themselves and to really step into business is still, I think, my main mission right now in life. And I'm absolutely loving every second of it. So you can find us... At www.luscioushustle.com or on Instagram at luscious hustle for all things human design. And
1: Laura, I'll imagine that you can be reached at the same places. But tell us what is up next in your life.
2: Well, you know what? It's it's a new frontier. I've really just stepped back into nursing full time. But you know, I still—I mean, I've never stopped loving the work that we do in Luscious Hustle. I still still do human design readings. I'm still always on the podcast. The podcast is really like our original love. That's how we started out having conversations with interesting, intelligent people that expand our minds and and hopefully expand other people's minds. Like that will always be my jam. I would do it for free. Honestly, I love it that much. I would I'd totally do it for free. So that's that's my immediate future is, you know, taking care of sick kids and continue to show up on our podcast and talk to really amazing, interesting people and support support people in understanding their human design.
1: This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. And by having myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Laura Milne and Betsy Milne. That's a wrap. Right. I usually leave things running and record the chat afterwards, just as the after show. Yeah, totally. Um, It's interesting stuff. I mean, I get, you know, when you talk about those energies, I definitely get this idea of personality types. I mean, it definitely like makes you think of things like Meyer Briggs, et cetera, that clearly different people work in different ways and thrive in different ways. And mm-hmm. so and, and there are lots of different inventories and, and things that kind of teach you that idea. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. I had never heard of human design until I met you guys. Never heard of it. It's pretty
0: obscure still. Yeah. It really people is. People don't really talk about it yet. But I when think people- I
1: saw it on Goop when I was when I was doing some research. Yeah, I, yeah, I think
2: yeah, <laughs> she's talked about but it. Taltro did it a couple did yep. something with it a couple of times. Yeah. A few articles. But yeah, it is still pretty rare. And it's funny though because our families are all very I don't know what's the word, Betsy, like analytical minds. Like they're very Everybody They are not woo in the slightest, but when, but they all come to us now, like for a while they thought we were crazy. And then they started, you know, like, well, can you like tell me about my design? What should what should I do here? What should I do there? And then you just, you know, be like, well, actually, cause we're a couple of weirdos. Of course, we looked up all our family members charts and just had them in our back pocket out of our own curiosity and study. And yeah, you'd be like, well, you know, and I explained to my brother and my sister-in-law, like, you know, here this, they're both projectors. And I explained to them their different designs. They were like the whole way through they're nodding. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I, you know, because I know them, I can reflect back to them. Do you remember when this happened to you in college and it didn't go very well? I think that's because you were doing this and that's really yeah. not an alignment for you. And then you made this switch. And that is like unconsciously you started following what is correct for you. And they're like, oh, you're right. That does make sense that, you know, so it's like I can, I've, we've gotten them on board mostly because. We can we know their personal history, so we can reflect back to them all of the experiences they've had and what has worked and what hasn't worked
1: and why we
2: think that is based on their design. And then that, of course, is just piqued
1: their curiosity even further. So this yeah. pushes the skeptic in me, right? Because the, what they say about astrology charts is that people find the pieces of them that seem to fit and ignore the pieces that don't. The other thing I think about is like, you, you remember how many different albums, it was like you play the album backwards and you hear words. Yeah. You can, you can <laughs> suggest to someone they'll hear something and once you suggest it, they actually do pick out those sounds from, I'm not trying to say this is true or not true. I'm just saying that it's, it's interesting because it, it's hard and this is where we get stuck, right? Because we don't have scientific methods to actually... Test these well, things, yeah. Right, like how, how do you, do you test that? Like how do we, for the for us science minded people who are very you know, you know, analytical in that way, how do we put this into some type of model that we can say it either objectively works or it doesn't work? And as is with so many of these kind of things, there isn't really a good model for us to test them. It's like you, either there is a leap of faith in the end. In the end, you have to say totally. this fits my experience of reality. I started doing this and it made my life better. So I'm going to take a leap of faith that this is above and beyond the placebo. And there's just something there.
2: Yeah. Well, Uh, I I I totally totally agree. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, I mean, we've done a lot of human design readings with total strangers. We're like, I'm hopping on a call with someone I know nothing about and Mm. I'm just straight up reading their chart to them. And they reinforced to me. And they will often like email us back after the fact, Hey, like I took your advice. I started doing things this way and it worked for me. So, you know, there's that, but I always just think like, I, unlike a lot of these sort of, you know, more, I don't know, woo modalities. Like I don't want anyone to drink the Kool-Aid. Like I do not yeah. want anyone like, this drinking is the my Kool-Aid.
1: secret. <laughs> this
2: is, but, but I don't want people to think that it's just like a blanket fix or like you should start. It, it's not a belief system. It's like, If it take what works for you and if it works great, if it doesn't leave it, like I'm not here to be like your guru or some shit. Like I just, (laughs) I I don't care. I want you to be happy in your life. And if it works for you, great. And if you're like, this is crack. I don't believe in this at all. Then great. Like, I'm happy for you to do that too. And just abandon it completely. Yeah.
0: I think the subjective piece though, like writing your own story as well, like what you were just speaking about. I did that when I started with human design. I would look at my chart and I read like gate 58 meant that you had perfectionism in your chart. And I believe that. And I wrote this story. P.S. By the way, that's not actually the energy of that gate. I just heard somebody say it and I was like, oh my God, that's my truth. Yeah. And then it gave me carte blanche to just like be a perfectionist. <laughs> and like I, but that wasn't the full expression of it. And again, I think, you know, so many people, at least in my world, like I've noticed this since the pandemic, I think people are more open to human design because we are looking for answers, right? Like we finally had a break where we got to look at the world through new, a new lens. We had space and we had time at home, either it worked or it didn't work for you. And then it was like, you either wanted to go back or you didn't want to go back. And again, you're like trying to figure yourself out in the middle of it. And honestly, I mean, even as I sit here and say like, Oh, I'm going to write a book. Like Self-help books are a dime a dozen now. Like, I mean, honestly, they're everywhere. And how many books do you pick up and you read and you're like, yeah, that's great. I'm never going to do this. It's like, you know, again, it's there's so much information out there. And I think people are reading and looking to validate the place that they are in instead of doing the work to change. Whereas if you really get a good human design reading and you really start experimenting and playing with it. It's like yeah okay it's going to work maybe it's not going to work maybe something's going to really stick something's not going to stick but again it's it's practical because you can start looking at yourself and saying Okay. I know that this is like, I know myself, I mess up when I start acting like a generator, I do it because it's conditioning. And I've been taught that. And this is how I was raised and blah, 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 blah. But like, I don't need to write a story about my success anymore. That the only way I'm going to be successful is if I show up on Instagram for four hours a day and I do 14 podcast episodes a week and I do 13 calls a week and like, whatever, I know that about myself. And so I can rewrite what my story was and what I thought I had to be in order to be successful. That's powerful. And that's better than any self-help book that I've ever come across.
1: Yeah. I listened to you talking and I'm like, that sounds a lot like me. Like in your terms, I think like I'm a lot like what you're describing is I always things go bad when I try to be what you would call, I think, a manifester. And I think things are better maybe when Mm -hmm. I'm more of a projector. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, and the thing is like, you know, even uh, like this hard and fast, everybody wants hard and fast right now because hard and fast is a quick fix. Yeah. And I think ultimately, like when you were on our podcast and we talked about like legacy and that, you know, the long like what are we leaving behind and doing work with purpose? Like that to me was a very eye-opening conversation because again, it's like on paper, what I do doesn't make sense to so many people. and yet it makes so much sense to me. And even when I've been given off other opportunities, I still keep coming back to this. Why? And it's like, that's the piece of purpose that when you don't know yourself, it feels really scary. And like, you're standing on a high wire above the Grand Canyon. Whereas when you know yourself, I don't care what other people think about me right now. Like people can think I'm crazy, but by listening to this podcast episode, but it's, it's my truth. And I can, I can lean into that now because I've had human design like as a foundation. So yeah, it's, it's powerful stuff. None of this
1: stuff is easy. No, God. No, I mean, it's it, it really, I mean, it does, it it all overlaps with the talk about purpose and meaning and passion. It's, it's just hard work. All of this is yeah. hard work. Yeah, it's but called I, work for a reason. You care
0: about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. Tech moves fast, so keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more.